I love you. Hey, welcome back to the Couch <laughs> Potatoes. I am the Green Traveler from Gorge. Yeah, and he's a traveling by. He's a traveling man. Traveling he salesman. Is a, I can't rhyme today. <laughs> Usually it's easier for me to come up with rhymes on the spot. Um, maybe I won't try that again on the podcast, though. I'm embarrassed. It's only because it's late. It's dark out. It is dark out. We're getting tired. We drink some tea. I also am just tired. They've been working us a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Out, in the, out in the mines. Out in the mines. <laughs> out in them theater mines. You know, when you dig up theater ore, you don't. Well, rather, when you're an audience member, you don't think about the 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 process from mining the ore to hammering them out into sets. That's very yeah, yeah. and inflating the actors. I like your use of, of metaphor and, and uh, of of you know of uh, your your message and everything because that's what we're talking about. That's today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, symbology. Symbology. Yes, there we're talking are. one of my all-time favorite movies and a movie I didn't know existed. Yeah, same year. <laughs> I found out like like I I don't remember how I found it out. I own 2010, the year we make contact. You the book. do. Oh, the book. Okay, did you know that it was a sequel? I did not know it was. I knew it was a sequel because it's it's by Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the who, novel. Who wrote the novel and the first movie in 2001: okay. Space Odyssey. And I, you know, I love 2001: A Space Odyssey. I bought the book when I found it. I have not read it. I bought the sequel when you know I saw that, and I was like, "That's hilarious." Did Kubrick collaborate on the novel as well? I doubt it. Okay, I think it was. But, all but I do know that they planned it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the same, they were doing 2001, and then I think Arthur C. Clarke's like, I can make a book out of this too. Nice. So he's just like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Arthur C. Clarke sounds. Stanley! <laughs> 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 we will rule both literature and the silver screen! <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I like how. Um, Arthur C. Clarke was the penguin and Stanley Kubrick was uh, Solomon Grundy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited. (coughs) A long, long time ago when I used to do uh, my my movie critiques as a blog, Mm -hmm. um, it's sadly going away. I'm about to lose the the website because they want me to sign up for something new and I don't want to. And so I'm about to lose all that content. And I've been reading back through them. There's some of them that are really good. Some of them are like, you could tell I wasn't trying. Right. So like, okay. yeah. It's really nice, though, because it's like, I, I've been like, oh, yeah, I remember when I watched that movie. It's like, oh, wow, I really shat on that one. It was really good. You know, some of it was really good writing, and I was really proud. But one of the things I did um, way back, I, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was like probably not like right before the pandemic. I can't remember when. I think it was something that like I can't go to the theaters anymore. Right. I got to fill in the gap. I got to write, and it was a uh, like twenty my top twenty favorite films kind of thing. Okay, cool. And I couldn't find that one. I was trying to find it when I was research like re- rereading through them, and I just don't know where when I did it where it was. But in it, I know two thousand one A Space Odyssey was in the top twenty, but I hadn't put it that high. And I remembered like the first two times, because this is the fourth time I've watched this. I remember the first two times I watched it, I was just overwhelmed by the spectacle. 
Sure. The third time I was trying to figure out my own interpretation. Uh-huh. And this time rewatching it with that interpretation, it's my favorite movie of all time. Like, no <laughs> fucking joke. Right. I loved it. This movie I mean, is it's poetry. It's a good fucking movie. It's poetry on screen. Uh-huh. It really is. I believe you. I know it's silly. It sounds silly. No, 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 no. It's okay. You're in love. I'm in love. I, I loved, really do love 2001 Space Odyssey because it's very sparse I... dialogue. Very beautiful classical music, like the the, the the spaceships, the satellites and everything up in space, just like moving about to classical music. It's like a dance. It yeah. really is. And I'm just like, oh, this is so, every shot literally is like perfectly framed. Like right. Stanley put so much thought into everything. The yeah. scope of all this is so, so cool. Right up front, I'm going to say, I agree with you. I love this movie. Um, however... There are some things I, I dislike about the movie. Like, uh, for one, there is, like, hardly any diversity that I can think of. That is true. Um, there's, there, like, two females. Yeah, and there's, like, two females, and which that's both, fine. It's a small like cast. Yeah, they're, yeah that, that's true. And Servers. one is somebody's wife, but I think they're, like, a lady, though, too, yeah, or right. something yeah. like that. Um, which... In this version of 2001, uh, we have colonies, and I'm going to let you do most of the movie. Mm. We have colonies and stuff uh, on the moon, maybe Mars too, I'm not sure. That seems maybe, logical sure. in this, the, the way they interpret, it, uh, interpret what's going on with the technology. But however, uh, uh, oligarchy and, and aristocracy is still for real and it's true and it's probably how it will be and hey now so but, but yeah it is lacking in diversity it is, is lacking in diversity yeah. but the second thing is it in a movie where everything is just so important yes some of the dialogue the dialogue in the latter part of the movie i don't just I, I just i agree with how you talk about it but in those scenes before we get to uh the jupiter mission whatever it's called discovery right. yeah that shit is bland as hell and i know like so like the the i, I can't remember the guy's name uh the, um, he's some kind of front man for the the government Haywood Floyd when yeah. he goes up there. Yeah, like, he goes up to a station. Uh, I like the the call with his kid. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like where it ends up, but I feel like a lot of the build in those scenes, it's so easy to forget about because he's having such day to day conversations. Right, but the thing is, is like in those day to day conversations is when you get. The, the, the that's plot. where you get the latter <laughs> yeah, yeah a, in and the I latter part of the scene yeah. i agree i can yes, agree the first again the first two times i was taken by the spectacle i didn't understand right. what was going on at all right and a lot of it's because the dialogue is so bland like it is it's so sparse it's it's just like it's like stanley knew it wasn't the point of the film and he's like i want to tell this whole film with images 
Yeah, and, I mean, and, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, true. And, and, but I agree with you there. The dialogue is, and especially in that part, is pretty forgettable. Like when he's just talking to the people and he's just like, this is what we're going. You know, It's a is... nice day today, isn't it? <laughs> On the space station, that's probably always the same. <laughs> <laughs> but he, in that one, he's talking with the Russians and they're trying to figure out what the Americans have uncovered. Right. And so they're covering up their day-to-day conversation with implications of like, yeah. What exactly is going on at you know Tycho? You know, it's like what is it? A, and that is interesting. Is there a virus? You know, and it's just like what they cover it up with all the the boring day to day dialogue yeah. and like it, it all went over my head the first two times I watched it because I did not understand what they were talking about at all because it was just day to day casual conversation. Yes. I yeah. agree with you. And and maybe on my fourth watch because I'm pretty sure this is only my third. <laughs> I will find that part more interesting because this probably is the first time i really took notice of that dialogue right because i i have seen it a number of times before and even the the dialogue with his kid too just feels stale because you know the kid's not acting with him the kid's acting with somebody else because it was filmed completely different area and like you know her her reaction to his dialogue is kind of just like well that seems like a weird way to respond to your father and then he seems like very like disinterested <laughs> right they do seem to play with the lag though that is true yeah that. that was yeah, yeah that was nice but you don't even get dialogue for literally 25 minutes in this movie is the, it that long yeah i, I wrote uh, i wrote I nobody speaks 12. i wrote it now nobody speaks until minute 23 holy shit because for the first get humans that's before that right just before the first dialogue is like in that scene i think where he's talking to those guys i think you're right and like because uh or maybe the maybe him and an attendant maybe but uh the first 23 minutes you have hominins you have like the evolution like one of the pre-evolutions of humans yeah it's an ape-like version still very you can see the human in it though yeah I mean, obviously you can it's just see the human in the yeah. ape suit yeah honestly obviously it's just a human in an ape suit but what i mean like the the design of it yeah they look pretty close to like a, a, an ape still but just about to become more humanish they're the squatch yeah yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it's fun because you 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 and then like i know a lot of people who come to this movie who don't like artsy fartsy stuff are gonna get bored immediately and hate this because it's like oh my gosh it's just stick it out and it's it's a group of them and they're you know they're it's like a little a tribe i'll call them of these little hominins and are they hominids ins hominins okay because i thought hominins hominins okay i see so a tribe of hominins okay so if spelled differently i think that's what no i'm thinking of homophones yeah okay (laughs) but yeah you have a a tribe of them who get kind of like rushed out of their homeland by another group of hominins and and then you like see them like struggling to survive and like Mm -hmm. you know they're trying to they're they're trying to live trying to feed you get attacked by other predators like big cats and shit like that and then all of a sudden they wake up one day and there's this giant fucking monolith, like a big black slab of who knows fucking what, right. just in the middle. And there's this creepy freaking chorus singing. Like, I love that. The choir singing. Yeah. Like, it's like really, I don't know what. These actors have is. a lot of fun doing yeah. the, the uh, hominin dance. Yeah, yeah. He's just like the crazy, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of them 
not too long oh, after hi. they spot the monolith, one of them uh, is is amongst a bunch of dead, you know, skeletons, skeletal ruins, and he's just looking about. Uh, I say he, who knows? It might be a she. It, they're they're just looking about and they're just like looking at all the bones cast about, and then they get a glimpse of the monolith like you know in the sunlight and it just awakens in them this new idea i can use these bones as a weapon or as a tool rather as a tool yeah which i thought was kind of honestly i i don't that's another part i don't like because chimpanzees and other apes use plenty of tools but that's but i mean i know but like that's the, the the point of it is that it got the idea from the monolith the sure. monolith guided so evolution all so all apes then got it from the monolith. maybe all i'm saying okay. is for this story's purpose uh-huh. i don't care about right. historical sure. accuracy sure. sure that's another sure. thing about this movie i'm tossing all historical accuracy out the of course way, it's cares? based in 2001 yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> for the story's purpose the monolith guided the evolution Sure. And I love that. I think that, like, I didn't understand that the first few times because it's just like, you know, literally you're just seeing an ape looking at bones. Then there's a flash of the monolith and then it picks up a bone and starts just bashing about like crazy, having a good fucking time. Having a good, good time. Yeah. So the monolith gave it murder. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's there's a lot of this whole movie is up for analyzation, interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people say that it's it's the destruction of humankind by this alien species you know this alien species like keep evolving and you'll just keep hurting yourself i'm also i'm of the <laughs> I opinion think that's silly <laughs> I, yeah, I disagree i think it's of the opinion that it's like the from my perspective watching it and i i you know i can be completely com- wrong you know kubrick mm. never came out and explained what his uh, thoughts were right arthur c clark probably has who knows he wrote novels i haven't about read it. the book yeah so. i haven't either um, probably, the books are more clear. There are yeah, more, I'm sure it's, yeah. yeah, more spelled out. But like, I think that it was trying to tell them you can use this as a tool, and then they used it as weapons. And it's very similar to like at yeah. the very end, which I'll get to later, where it, it's trying to in two thousand ten. You mean no in two thousand one <laughs> in two thousand one yeah. itself when it's trying to like hey here's another like thing, and then they use it against themselves. But I'll get to that soon. Um, hmm. But the hominins, they then gather a bunch of bones. They go back to their home. They beat the fuck out of the tribe that kicked them out of their home turf. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that part. And then you have the greatest transition in cinema history where, it, like, in the victory, one of the hominins throws up the bone. Right. And we follow it spiraling up. A couple cuts here and there, but who cares? It's spiraling up. And then as it starts to fall, you transition to a ship, a spaceship in 2001 that looked not like the bone, but right. it's similar enough that you understand like what they're saying, which is that's our new our new tools that we're using now. Yeah. We used you know bone tools back in the day. Now we're using this like mechanical shit up in space, and we could fly, and it's right. so cool. The only problem is we've we've discovered another monolith. It's on the moon. It All was right. it was buried there on the moon. I am. You know what I feel like is more what. The monolith gave the the hominins. What's that? I think it is organization. Maybe I think that's what it gave. I know that there's the the, the theatrical moment where he picks up the the, the bone. Lay, the bone. Yeah. I think it's a it's a hip bone. A femur. Like, it's a femur. Maybe I don't know. 
What is anatomy? This is the big. I think it picks up a femur, which I is think the big so. leg the, bone. The big one. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Which it looks like a human femur too. Right. But anyhow, a hominid femur. Yeah. He's swinging it, and 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 I think in that moment he's also thinking about what he can do to get his ancestral or whatever his home his home back yeah it's like if we all pick up yeah. bones it's like well, we, we can do this we could kill them all i mean that's totally fair yeah. i only think tools because then after that it becomes um once they discover the monolith on the moon the americans are trying to hide it because they don't you know just like mysterious alien thing what the right. fuck is this we don't want to let the rest of the world know about this and so that's what floyd hey or haywood floyd goes up there for is like to investigate see what's going on and while they're investigating it, it sends out an electronic pulse to Jupiter, like a, right. a signal or something. And so the humans are like, or the Americans specifically are like, we need to go to Jupiter to figure out what it just shot a, a signal at. Yeah. And when they go up there, the problem is everything is being operated by their latest tool, their latest technology, which is HAL, yeah. HAL 9000. And the problem is we fucked ourselves and yeah, I'm really happy because my theory of why Hal malfunctions is in the sequel. Yeah, I and thought I really that liked was that. pretty cool. That was like the only answer the sequel gave us that I was like, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that completely. Um, to go ahead and spoil that, my theory, which uh, if, if you take the sequel as canon, turns out to be true, is that Hal was just given conflicting orders. Yeah. He was told, you getting to Jupiter and figuring out what it was shooting that si uh, signal at is of the utmost importance to our mission. However, you can't tell uh, doctors David Bowman and Dr. Frank Poole what the mission is. They're only there to like get the ship to Jupiter, but right. they're not allowed to be let in on any of the stuff. And it just decided, after a while, Hal dis discovered, it's easier for me if I just kill the crew so I could just get to Jupiter. <laughs> then I no longer have conflicting orders, and I can just get the mission done. Yeah. And that's what Hal ends up doing is like he starts to slightly go, you know, malfunction a little bit. Yeah. I love Hal. Hal is like my favorite, one of my favorite uh, cinema villains voiced by Douglas Rain. So good. So yeah. like motionless, emotionless, but at the same time, there's just like a tiny flare that you can get hints of like intelligence. Yeah. Um, it's so good. It's so I disturbing. Like it. And poor, poor David Bowman, played by Keir Delea, has to like. Oh, I, I like his acting with Hal. Because I it's, do it's very really good. like that. Yeah. That's the best part of the movie yeah. when it's just the two of them. Yeah, because they're... and really, it's just Kira Dulella. It's like it's like uh, a completely different movie. Voice then. acting's also great, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is. It's a completely the the last act of the movie is a completely different. There's I like don't even know if acts. I'll call it the last act. Yeah, yeah because a, after what happens happens yeah i mean you have the yeah the beginning with a the whole Hollins. lot of movies still you have the portion with haywood floyd and then you have them going to jupiter right and then after that you have the the craziness the the i think it's called yes. uh yeah you know, what is it it's like jupiter and beyond the infinite or something like that yeah yeah because yeah. like because when he gets to when he you know there's a lot of shit that goes down with hal and I won't spoil it because that's honestly is the they best part of the movie. probably have the name of the axe on this page. Maybe. Maybe they do. Oh. I don't want to get lost in it. They don't. They don't. But it, but it's it's 
phenomenal, and I don't want to like spoil the that act that we're talking that with Hal, right? Because that is, as we said, the best part of, in my opinion, of the movie. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's in, it's the that's the part where a newcomer to the film is going to be the most engaged, right? And the part that at least everybody either frustrated or feeling like they just trip balls. <laughs> the final act. Yeah, the final act is a trip <laughs> because sure. because Bowman, David Bowman, Kier Delea. He, he gets to Jupiter. He gets to where the signal was sent. Mm-hmm. There is a bigger monolith floating in space. And he touches it. He, he goes out. I like The movie doesn't even show him going out. He's, he's still in the ship, I think. Like He's just floating near it. And then all of a sudden, he's just like pulled in kind of thing. And like going, you know, crazy trippy scenes. You see negatives, negative color worlds. Like yeah. probably antimatter. Who knows? Who the fuck but, like, knows? It, if you watch the movie and you are tripping at the time or like, you know, smoked a little weed or maybe you're a little drunk or something that in my opinion, that's a beautiful moment. That whole scene, because mm-hmm. there, there are moments at all the galaxies, like all the little star clusters and everything that you see by the, the gaseous clouds, they look like living fucking things. Yeah. Like there, there's moments in each scene where you could be like, those are eyes. And it's, it's probably just stars. That's all yeah. it is, is stars with galaxies around them. But it really did look like a Lovecraftian, like, cosmic god. Yeah, I kept on feeling like there was going to be some crazy creature, which there was. Yeah. I, I, I started thinking of 2010. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard, man. There, there are Not some... Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I, I feel like some of the... Of what happens in that film. Right. I feel like okay that's adding some sense to it i get it mm-hmm. um who knows maybe it's loyal to the book i haven't read maybe i mean my problem and we'll get more <clears throat> into it when we talk 2010 my problem is like it just offers answers where they're not needed mm-hmm. because the whole point of 2001 and kubrick's been very you know he was very forthright about it is that it's like it's your up to your interpretation yeah you watch yeah. it you decide and most people are like well i don't want to fucking understand it. it's like well, you don't right. want to try to look into it. And that's why somebody wanted a sequel, I'm sure. Yeah, because someone was just like, this is stupid. It's, it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to think when I watch movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, I need a backup to this movie. Yeah, it's, it's like the people who do that are like the people who go to like art museums and they just like see something and just like, yeah, pretty picture. And it's just like, all right, <laughs> there's, there's so art. much more to it than that. You know, it's like, y'all look into the art. Oh, I see. You're and saying it, it's a really pretty. That's a really pretty picture. I got it now. But how long is that? But that's, I mean, I don't know. Like, we, when he touches the the monolith and he's, like, going beyond the infinite, he then, uh, just to spoil it, because to get back to my, like, point of what I think the monolith is trying to tell teach us. <laughs> but, like, it's a really trippy and, like, kind of creepy scene because when he lands, when he stops moving, he's in this, like, futuristic time and he sees an older version of himself. And then he is, he just is that older version. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, that older version is just like, whoa, what happened? You know, and he like turns around, goes about to do what he was normally going to do because he doesn't remember that he, as a younger version, just saw himself. And he sees another older version of himself. And then he is that. And he just keeps aging like that. And it's pretty kind of creepy. Like, it is. Thinking about it, I'd be like, oh my God, that's so fucking like, no, I don't want to live my life like that. That's, yeah. It's but that like, is how we are living already. It, his, it's like his life became non-linear. Yeah. Yeah. He He's like the Slaughterhouse Five guy. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about the plot of that for a while. 
I love Slaughterhouse Five. It's like my favorite novel. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe maybe my favorites are just people disjointed in time. Maybe that's all maybe, I love. <laughs> yeah, I have to read that one again. Yeah, it's so and actually, good. you know, I think maybe I didn't read that one. I've read other man. Why well, can't I think of Kurt Vonnegut? Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, but maybe I haven't read that one. Indiana Boy. But I somebody explained the plot to me so thoroughly. Yeah. In, in middle school that i felt like i read it it's it's a beautiful <laughs> book i l- absolutely love it but like it's it, that's what's going on with with floyd or with uh sorry with david bowman kira delea right is you know he's disjointed he's like seeing older versions and then just becoming them where they are like yeah. you know, he just becomes the what he's seeing and then all of a sudden He's just a baby in space. A big baby in space. That's the thing is I always thought it was a big baby. I always thought it was a baby the size of the earth. And maybe it is in the books and everything, right. but when I watched it this time around, it's I thought of it I just I thought of it just as a perspective. And then okay. for me I was just like, okay, he's just back to you know, he's discovered, he's evolved into whatever this is, and he's gonna bring that back to humanity. Right. So like I'm seeing it from an uplifting viewpoint. Because it's like I'm seeing it that the the monoliths are trying to help us evolve. They're they're like some kind of alien creature right. that has found their revolution. They're trying to push us there. Yeah. And when they tried yeah, the first I, time, we turned against ourselves and killed each other. And then this time, it's a little more hopeful. This time, it's an innocent right. baby who's coming back to bring us knowledge. That that's how I see this movie. Is like, you know, it's like when I when that ending happens, I'm just like, they're pushing us. They're pushing us to be better. Right. And who knows? Maybe a lot of people don't think that. A lot of people think the baby means the death of humanity. I, <laughs> <laughs> like literally, there's a lot of people who are just like that. Baby comes back, it destroys up all the nukes, it blows up Earth. <laughs> I will say though that 2010 does not detract from what you not say too far. about it. Not too I far. don't. I, that just what you say about that specifically, because it's still very hopeful in the end i think i don't i i i I took it as that way and maybe that's just how i interpreted that art that's fair it's actually very much not an art movie we'll get to it (laughs) that's true (laughs) i felt like it it does kind of have like a like a mildly hopeful tone the ending of 2010 but it just it felt very weird because it's like that you know this is my world you can conquer the rest of the world, but you leave this fuck alone. Okay, well, I'll talk about it more when we talk yeah. about 2010. I, why I think it's more hopeful than that. That's fair. Let's you know? do some closing statements. I mean, you know where I stand. I fucking yes. love it. It, As I said, it, like watching it this time, I definitely came away thinking, like, this is my favorite movie. And I can't wait to watch it again. And I don't nice. know why I haven't felt that with the other three times. I've loved it the other three times, but it's just been a spectacle. Yeah. And then watching it this time, I was just like, this is poetry. Yeah. I don't know why it felt that like different this time around, but like, and I watched it in three different segments because I was like, it's a long movie. It's two hours, 20 long. minutes. And I had to like kind of shoehorn it into my schedule, which normally I wouldn't do. But normally when I come to like try to force myself to watch something, anything, TV or movie or whatever, I kind of dread it. Right. And I put it off as long as I can. I don't know why my brain's like that, but that's how it is. I was excited every time to come back to this movie because I was like, I can't wait until I can watch the you know the next forty uh, minutes. Next forty minutes. Yeah. Space. That's like if they showed it in three sections on TV oh, or something. And it does have an intermission too, which is hilarious. Right. And I like the, I like the soundtrack. That's where we stopped it at when we yeah. watched it. We're like, hey, 
it's at an intermission. Why not kind of, we take a break? It's kind of funny too because it's like two hours twenty minutes, and the intermission is like an hour and thirty in, so you only yeah. have like fifty minutes left. Yes, <laughs> so yes. it's not a good middle point. But damn. It, I think story wise, it yeah, works. It really is. But I fucking love it. Hal's the best. I love Hal as a villain. Like it's just there's so much gold in this movie. Four stars easily. If I could give it more, I would. But that's not how my skill works. <laughs> that's fair i give it a face and a half because i can give a half a face if i want to um, and your system's better that's <laughs> <laughs> not true but it makes it in the club it's an exclusive club of face and a half movies if there's face if there's two face movies out there We'll see, but see the thing about that is it just sounds yeah, yeah. It sounds <laughs> negative. So I don't want to call him that. So face and a half, it's face and a half. Batman Forever is a two face movie. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> so what's uh? We should take a soda pop. Break. You know, before we do that, another thing that I did want to mention is the space travel and everything in two thousand one is fucking like accurate. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's, a, there's a hilarious conspiracy. There's a lot of conspiracies about this movie. But one of them is that he only made 2001 Space Odyssey to make people believe that the moon landing was actually real. Like, you know, uh. you know the, they filmed the moon landing. Well, the, if you dig further into that conspiracy, it's Stanley Kubrick filmed the moon landing. <laughs> and 2001 was just to get the budget to do so realistically and make everybody believe that it happened. <laughs> yeah, those are the people who believe we didn't make it to the moon was that 2001 was just for that reason oh my god and one of their arguing points is that because that movie makes no sense it's just ridiculous trippy nonsense i'm just like all right you guys just didn't watch the film <laughs> i understand now <laughs> but yeah it's it's really I, I love the space flight because you, you really do kind of feel like you're in space and it's not it's fucking 1968 yeah and like yeah i think though that it does uh kind of have a taste of the counterculture in it in yeah in that last act specifically yeah and probably with what kubrick was trying to say and i just there was a lot of people that were very conformist yeah against that shit yeah we have one art all right let's do less art no art no art please (laughs) no art no art please i want to fart in my art I want to just look at a picture and think it's pretty. I don't want to look at a picture and try to figure out the microcosm versus the macrocosm. I just want to say Mona Lisa smiles. There has has to be more to it. Definitely frowns, man. Let's get a a soda pop in us. Indeed. And we'll be right back. I love you. You want me to baby bird it in there? Yes, please. <laughs> I was thinking I would want something with flavor, so that would work. <laughs> do I drink piss? Uh, yes, Sonny, yes I do. Are we back for another surprising cast? I think we are. Yes. Sequel and Smash. Yeah, we're done. We're ready to talk about 2010, the year we made yeah. contact. Not only... Did I not know this film existed? I knew the book existed. I did not mm-hmm. know they made a movie off of it. 
but I didn't know it had this fucking cast. Yes, list. yes. There, it, it. I love the cast in this. I do too. I, I have no idea how I've never seen this movie. Probably because it isn't really a sequel to 2001, even though all of the subject matter is. The same. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it. It literally is. If if you want it to be, it is. If, yeah. If you don't want it to be, it, it doesn't isn't. have to be. It's, no, it's like that get, weird. I know yeah. people. I know people don't really. There's a lot of people who are just like, just because the sequel comes out doesn't mean it ruins the original. You know, I hear that all the time. Where it's like, you, you, somebody complains about a sequel because right. it's like, why do they do this? And it's not wrong, but at the same time, it does kind of taint the original experience. Sure. And like, case in point, Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Before J.K. Rowling was a turf. Yeah. Like once, once, like once she starts saying all those transphobic things. It's kind of hard to reread and rewatch Harry Potter because yeah, it's like all I can think of is done that negativity. Yeah. yeah, so it's like there there is a point where adding to something can taint the original experience of it. That it, it is totally possible. I'm tired of hearing people say that it's like just because you hate the sequel doesn't mean the original is still bad. It, no, it could totally mean that. It, it, it does have the potential to ruin the original. It does, especially but... if the original leaves off begging for more like if it right. if, if it leads like there's more like to this story part one yeah exactly yeah. yeah whereas with 2001 that movie left off not at all begging for a sequel it had a lot of answers left you know or a lot of questions uh, left unanswered unquestioned exactly but at the same time it's it's all the material is there for you to fill in that yourself and 2010 feels like uh, it really does feel like a hey man who's the director writer editor cinematographer know, Peter Hyams this dude did everything he produced wow. it he wrote it he directed it he did this, the the cinematography we said that the novel was also Arthur C Clarke I was about to say he edited it too but he did not edit it <laughs> <laughs> it really did feel like it uh, um, it's definitely. Um, not the same feeling that you no. get from 2001 it really does like feel like he was just like these are my answers yeah you can agree with them if you want otherwise right. it's not gonna ruin the original because it's right. its own thing yes it is its own thing and i think my watch of it benefited from that i think at the time if people were i don't know what the reception on this no. was I think at the time, if it did, wasn't received well, and that's why it didn't survive as a classic, it is because it is so different from the original. Yeah. But also, I feel like if we didn't have that original and this movie came out, because all the information you need for this movie is in this movie. Right. Which is another thing I really like about the movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like people would really like this movie. If if they, if if that first movie had never existed, so if that's a pro, if that's something that somebody has a problem with this movie, I think that it's not fair. I think there are yeah, I think there are certain elements that would be confusing. Specifically, they do bring back Kier Delea as Dave yes. Bowman, as well as the uh, Douglas Rain as the voice of Hal. Yes. So like those are the things I think would be a little confusing is those direct ties. That whole discovery mission, I don't think people would understand exactly what it was for. Right. I think, well, see, there's that thing at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, they they do, it's a bit of text of information, sure. Right. But they also have, 
like um, the pictures of the crew and Hal and everything. They do set everything. it up. Enough. They do yeah, set it right. up. You get all the information that you need. And if if those weren't clips from another movie, I don't think anybody would have a problem with this. That's movie. fair. I think yeah. it's a perfectly good movie. That I mean, that's totally true. Like, it definitely does do a really good job at being its own thing. Yeah. And I think specifically how it does that is by immediately having a shit ton of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, it does have a lot of dialogue. <laughs> and, and, a, and a crazy big cast. Like, I don't know how big, in 1968, I don't know how big Kiera Delea or the other guys, know. like all those actors were. I have never seen them in anything else, I, to my not knowledge. Not that I can tell you. Yeah. That's for damn sure. They're not names that are very iconic to me. I know they've been in other stuff. I've probably seen them in other stuff, maybe even other Stanley Kubrick films, because I feel like the Haywood Floyd was in a Doctor Strangelove. Uh, maybe. He seems he familiar. Yeah, which but I, I didn't know. know was Kubrick until oh my a few God. moments ago. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite. We should do that Kubrick one more time. It's so crazy. But uh, um, this one has just big names out the fucking asshole. Yeah. Like Yeah, starring Haywood Floyd. Yeah, yeah, different actor <laughs> as Haywood Floyd. And a big uh, one at that. Yes. One, one I did not know was <laughs> in other movies besides Jaws. <laughs> Roy Appleshider. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, oh, I love it. Uh so uh he is this the doctor who sent uh, David Bowman and uh, his crew and all the scientists that died in hibernation. Right. Um, he's the one who built the mission. And he got kicked out of his job for it. Right. Um, and, and I feel like that was also like... Because it, it, he's still working there too. I feel well, like he goes well, there to do he's research. he's a teacher now, I think. There, yeah. Oh, there. Okay. So it kind of just... Like, maybe he's a teacher at like a school, but like he still has a lab there because he goes there to do research. Oh, So I was right. just like, oh, it's kind of one of those, like they dusted him under the rug, but like they're like, oh, we'll really fire you, but on yeah. paper we're going to fire you, just yeah. so you know. <laughs> Seven people died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole world hates you right now. Not really your fault, though. Yeah, not <laughs> so at understand. all. Really not his fault at all. Um, well, I don't know. Somebody told how to do it. Yes, yes. I want I want to bring that up later. Okay. Um, well, Forget it's I said at that the there. beginning, though, actually. So I'll go, <laughs> I'll, I'll go right to it. So this Russian guy uh, does convince uh, Roy, uh, being Haywood, excuse me, that... They got to go back up there. Yeah. The Russians are going to do it anyways. The Russians are going to do it first, too. They're going to do it first, too. They're much closer than the Americans yeah, like are. A year in advance. And, yeah. and there's there's a, a big a catapult, too. To the, right. The, or not catapult, but you know, he's just like catalyst, maybe. Where he's just like, you guys won't have a rocket for a year. But I don't know if you check the orbit of the moons of Jupiter, but... Uh, or perfect time. No, the orbit yeah. of the discovery. That was it. Right. Yeah, the discovery is going to collide with something oh, at five right. months. You know, he's right. like, you guys don't have the time to wait. It's going to lose its orbit and I think go towards the sun. Go no. towards Jupiter, maybe. Jupiter, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so he convinces him that they need to do it as a joint effort because the Americans have way more information than the Russians do. Right. About their ship too. It's also their ship. Yeah. So it, it, there's a lot of ways that it made it easy for, uh, Floyd to convince 
whatever government agency. I don't fucking know. The president himself. Who the fuck cares (laughs) (laughs) that the mission needed to go ahead? And so they... He he is at his last meeting with his family. Yeah. Madeline Smith playing his wife, Carolyn Ford Floyd, and Christopher Floyd, his son, is played by Talison Jaffe. Dude, I did not know that until he literally. gets to feed dolphins. I didn't know that was him. I kind of yeah. like want to look at like just probably watch the YouTube video again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I saw his name up in the credits, like. So um, they did the credits, and for some reason, all of a sudden, they had a page with a whole bunch of actors on it. It said, also starring. (laughs) Old school, you know, slides out with a larger cast. And uh, Towson Jaffe's name was at the top. And I was like, what? I didn't even read the rest of the names. (laughs) Because I was like... (laughs) But I knew he would be a little kid and that he was at one time a child star, so... I thought maybe that was why you wanted to watch this because there was a moment where you're like, did you know this movie existed? And I was like, no, I had no idea. I don't know how I found out that the movie existed. I think I wanted to Google something about 2001 or something. And and then that movie slide was next to it on Google. That's fair. Yeah, that might have been what happened. But I also do think that somebody in our past had referenced this movie. Maybe. And uh, then been like, yeah, there totally is a sequel to 2001. I'm like, I don't believe it. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> this this per- specific person will say will take root in your heart and make you angry. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so. <clears throat> Yeah, he convinces, he convinces, well, after Floyd has his meeting with the family, he's like, I'm going on this trip. You know, he's like, right. And, and in similar fashion to Armageddon, they bring the <laughs> least qualified people up there. Yes. Instead an of engineer, astronauts. Yeah. An engineer named Walter Kurnow, played by <laughs> John Lithgow. Oh my God, that's so hilarious. Yeah. And not, not only just an engineer, but the very one who designed the discovery. The discovery. That's right. And also a different kind of engineer, a computer engineer, R. Chandra. Yes, played by, by, by Bob, Bob Balavan, who we just talked about in another movie. I yeah, can't remember. We did, but I don't. Yeah, but like he's in it, all, he's in no, a lot of Wes was, Anderson films. It was. Uh, I wanted to say science. It was in uh, Encounters of the Third. Close Encounters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he was doing his best Richard Dreyfuss impersonation <laughs> from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Dude, I love Bob Balaban, so it's really funny that, like, not only did we just talk about him in Close Encounters, we also just talked about Roy Scheider and Jaws. Right. Like, people that, you know, I, I've known them for other niche performances, and I'm just like, man, you're in so much other stuff. It's like you're an actor or something. It's so <laughs> well, cool. Man, it's so much. <laughs> well, wow. But Chandra is the, the uh, specifically the, the designer of how. Of how. Yes. yes. Um, and they want him to be. They want him to go up there so he can fix Hal. And this mo- movie also has Sal nine thousand in. Yeah, yeah, I forget about Sal. Yeah, Sal is like the office version of of Hal. I I would I would say, <laughs> or you know, it is the nine thousand model. Maybe there was, um, 
Who played it? It's the Bowen. Candace Bergen was the voice of Sal, but she was credited as Olga Malsner. <laughs> Olga Malsner. That is probably this person's real name. Olga. I love the name Olga, but Malsner is just funny. Malsner is pretty funny. <laughs> He's the nerd of the mall. He's the Malsner. I'm the Malsner. <laughs> you didn't see, but I pushed up my glasses. <gasps> In the center. But yeah, uh, Floyd, with those two engineers, goes to Jupiter, specifically to Discovery. That's right. With the Russians. With the Russians. One of whom is hilariously played by Helen Mirren. <laughs> hilariously played? I thought she was pretty good. She Honestly, was good. I like... remember you telling me that she was in this movie, and so I was looking out, and I still didn't recognize I her. Because <laughs> I saw her name, and I was like, Helen Mirren's in this? Yeah. And then like, she appears as a Russian. I was like, she wouldn't have played a Russian. <laughs> and I'm just like, that looks like Helen Mirren, but she wouldn't play a Russian. <laughs> she is good in it. I will. She's I will really say. good. I had no idea. It it's just her. it's hilarious because she's not a Russian. So I'm just yeah. like it's another it's another one of those tropes where it's yeah. just like we're gonna instead of getting a Russian actor, we're gonna get an English person to play a Russian actor. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> and true. Just, and then the accent always goes away every now and then, where you're just like, ah, there it is. <laughs> I hear so it. it really it literally took me the whole movie, honestly, until the credits again, and I was like. Wait a minute! I knew Helen. Helen Mirren was the the, the lead of the the. Fucking did you Russians. recognize the other guy? Um, I did recognize this one. I think it was Dimitri. Uh, I no, didn't it's not Dimitri. actually. Um, hold on, I got I gotta find the guy. It, it, nope, that's a woman. Who is the the? It might be that guy. This guy, Vladimir, it might have been the one who befriends John Lithgow. Did you recognize oh, him? Yes, it was. I, I didn't recognize him, but his name, if you go back down to the names, it was Max. Max. Where's Max? We gotta find you, Max. There it is. Maxim. Elia. Elia Baskin. Did you recognize? Look at that. Look at the... For something with Robin Williams? Look at this one. Oh. He was the landlord in Spider-Man. Oh, my God. I spent, <laughs> I spent 30 minutes of the film being like, I know this guy. I know what is he from, <laughs> and I'm like I'm sitting there the whole time, and I'm like I'm not gonna look it up. I'm like I was forcing myself. I'm like I'm not gonna look this up. I'm gonna remember where he's from, and then like there was a moment he makes a joke to John Lithgow or something, and he just like makes that long like ah kind of face, and I'm just like he did the landlord in Spider Man <laughs> rent <laughs> rent your rent picked <laughs> up. So funny. Him and him and Lithgow have some really good moments. I like their scenes where they're spacewalking together. Uh, that's another yes. thing. Oh my god, that it was honestly one of the yeah. best space scenes I've ever seen. It was pretty good. I was for the so 80s. tense. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, 1984 has like equal amounts of like wonder about the space craft that you know the original 2001 had, where it's like you know 2001, 1968 or whatever. You're just like. How the fuck did you make this movie? It looks yeah. so beautiful. And then you see like the spacewalk in this, and it's like, wow, that was really well done. The only thing I would complain about with nineteen the nineteen eighty four technology, um, and in two thousand ten, that is uh, the year we make contact, the movie, not the <laughs> yes. year. The the thing that bothered me was when the ships are moving, when you see machinery happening, happening, 
it has that stop motion like claymation effect yeah. like the the oh, cgi you would see and, like smooth like the, you know in the terminator even... when the terminator is in the original terminator when it's moving and it has no skin anymore yes. it's just the robot it has that kind of effect yeah it's before jurassic park jurassic yeah. park's the one the guys who figured out how to do that i know yeah it is but it's just like yeah it's that's the problem with with that is you don't have that in 2001 a space odyssey because everything looked pristine and real in that movie and then in this one, it has a bit of that CGI, like, 80s feel that mildly <laughs> bothered me. Very mildly. Like, I'm only bringing it up because I noticed it, and I was just like, ooh, that looks bad. Like, that was it. But that space scene, the, the space walk scene, specifically with, with uh, Elia Baskin as Maxim and John Lithgow as Walter, that's none of that. Like, there, there probably is some that I, I just didn't care. That scene was really tense. I love John Lithgow's performance in that scene. It's so good. It's really good. Yeah. He's, and Maxim's great yeah. uh, has great chemistry with him. It really does. That's another beautiful thing about this movie is it's, it's during the Cold War. Yeah. When it was filmed, it was yeah. during the Cold War. In and, fact, on the on the planet, there's some big bad stuff going yeah. on in South America. And uh, was Is it Argentina? I, I don't remember where. Yeah, I think it but was. It, it could be wrong. But anyways... It gets worse when they're gone. Yeah. And Russia and U.S. are at each other's throats. and like officially at war. Yeah. And, and you yeah. got these lone scientists, that, like not astronauts. Some, some of them are yeah. astronauts. Some of them are <laughs> But most of them are scientists just stuck on a ship together. And they're like, well, what do we do? And I like that they explore that. I like that there's yes. that politics. And it all stems from that John Lithgow and, and El- Elia Baskin scene. Because it's like that's the first moment where they like start to think maybe we can trust each other. Yeah. Maybe we can just Which, be humans. Like we have to to yeah. survive yeah. out here. And I, I love that scene for that. Yeah. And it's I like really the, I do like the politics. Because that really is the moment that that uh they stop being adversarial towards yeah. each other. At least those two. Uh, well, I think it goes for the entire crew yeah. too. There's there, really a couple Helen, more there's a couple more scenes. Yeah. It takes Helen Mirren a while to fully trust. Yeah. Well, when they do that um slingshot maneuver mm-hmm. it's very early in the in the thing for some reason to get to europa they have right. to sling around jupiter i think something like that uh, to save fuel hmm. and they're very very scared so this is even before that john lithgow uh, yeah. scene and i don't remember who the crewman was uh with uh apple Scheider. But it was one of the ladies, one it of was the, one of the ladies, but I, I maybe I, it might be Schneider. Irina is the character that it is. Her. It must her be her. Yeah. So, uh, Irina Yakunina. Yeah. And by she, Natasha Schneider. And she, uh, so <gasps> Schneider holds Schneider. <laughs> oh my God. It's so cute. <laughs> so Schneider holds Schneider. And while, uh, the, they're doing this slingshot maneuver because it's never been done. Right. And, and it, like, if the math is wrong, they're dead. Yeah. So, uh, they're, everybody is rightfully freaking out, but, uh, Irina is, or Irina is, is freaking out in a corner by herself crying. And, and Haywood was trying to find, I cannot see, see him as anyone other than Ray. I Scheider. know, right? Yeah. Roy Scheider. I'm sorry, Roy. Uh, oh, he he helps her through the moment, anyways. Yeah. And he was they looking for a corner himself. Yeah, yeah, he was looking for a corner to shit in himself. Yeah. So 
It's a good moment, and it's like another thing I like that you know I feel like a, a lesser movie would have tried to like pair him with somebody. Right. He has yeah. a family back home, yeah. and I really like that he. There's no romance between no. him and anybody else. No. That scene, you know, again, a lesser movie might have like they do kiss on the lips, but it's like it's, I, it's I more of like he a gave fear. Her a ki- I thought the kiss she, was on the cheek. Yeah, she kisses him, and I think it's just like a small peck. Like right on the like corner of his like lips right. And his it was cheek. very much a thank you, and yeah. you know who knows. Well, this is the in an eighties movie, and they just wanted to see the the beautiful woman kiss the man, right? But I I was thinking when I watched it, eh, maybe the tr- the you know the culture around kissing is different in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, who fucking maybe. knows? I, I was worried that they were gonna take it into a uh, um a little uh, bit a cheating scenario. A little bit. And I'm happy they didn't. I'm happy that... And, and a lot of the narrative focuses him... Because that would him. have nothing to do with 2001. No, no it wouldn't. And I mean, and that's another thing. Is this movie's like, you know, it's, it's not trying... It's just trying to, like, provide answers. Right. And that's where I have the issues with the movies that we get to, is, like, the answers they provide for some of it. Specifically the ending. Um, but, like, I, I enjoy all the build-up to it, especially, like... You know, they, they don't try to romanticize his relationships with people. He's a scientist trying to survive i like that a lot and right. then all the female characters well i mean specifically helen mirren is like the only one natasha does have that moment and then like another moment i think but helen becomes more of the, like the more female right she's a female character for sure and you know i like her her struggle to start to trust the americans too because she's more of like legit like russian astronaut or yeah. cosmonaut yeah. Uh, like that's that's who she is she's more of the like focused and when they go when the the countries go to war she's the one who's just like all right get off my fucking ship right you know? <laughs> yeah she does but they're, they're all following orders and they go to the discovery for uh a minute and then boom boom to david bowman shows up i don't know where boom to is somebody's gotta look that up to yeah <laughs> so um <laughs> He shows up, and it's it's the trippiest part of this movie, really. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's there is none of the Kubrick film to this movie. No. And like you said, it's just trying to provide answers to the other. And I say, if the other doesn't exist, this is a damn good movie. I that's think. fair. So, um, he shows up uh, to tell them they need to leave. Yeah, they need to leave days. now. You got two days, and they're like, "We're we gotta wait till like July or something." <laughs> like we got weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, and um, he's like, "No, you gotta leave in two days." That's what they're telling you. And they find something on Europa too that is most likely alive. I yeah, spoil that. Yeah, plant like organism. Plant like organism, but they do see something move. Yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Um, Europa, so, if you don't know, being one of Jupiter's moons. Thank you <laughs> for explaining to them because i am a layman in astrology but that doesn't mean that i don't need to explain to people (laughs) (laughs) so i don't fucking know where i was going oh i'm so sorry i derailed you no it's okay (laughs) um but yeah like the 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 answers like right what they discover like what it all means what are the what are the monoliths and that's like, what I was trying to bring up, Dave Dave Bowman's character. Right. For he brings up uh, he brings about a lot of the answers. Yeah. I feel like 
And the one I didn't understand is why he has to go visit his mom or his wife or whatever. It's back, his wife. His wife. Yeah, I didn't understand that scene. Later. Like, it provides, I think it provides an answer, but like, for the most part, I was just like, that could have been cut. Right. That was one of the few things that made it feel more like it was supposed to be a sequel. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was just really something to get her on the screen i think yeah and to give him more time i guess maybe that could be it but like when roy's talking to him he's just constantly aging and de-aging and like a different mm-hmm. he, uh, not roy but uh dave uh, bowman yeah, is right. and i like he really is a man unstuck from time and i really did like that i thought that was yeah. pretty cool because there's like a moment where he's just a baby floating there mm-hmm. and that's where i realized right. too where i was just like maybe it's not uh, a big baby because he's just a tiny baby floating there in space like mew uh, like <laughs> <laughs> the Pokemon. <laughs> I, now I'm never going to see Mew as a fetus. That's what he is. He's a, he's a, he's a discarded clone or whatever, you know? Well, he's not a clone. He gets cloned. That's right. Yeah. Where th- whatever. I, I, that movie's so. I, I haven't seen it in so long. But We're like, going to do a Nat playlist now. Pokemon nice. movie playlist. I'm fucking down for that, man. Yeah, that sounds great. But I do, I do really enjoy Dave dave's performance another part that i really like the answer to how they brought as we mentioned yes. earlier when we were talking 2001 they bring Hal back and that's where you have bob Balvin who tells them hey i looked into it <clears throat> this is why it malfunctioned right because you guys fucked up you gave he, it conflicting orders he blames haywood at first because haywood's name was on the orders right but so it was some administrator over Haywood that did it. Yeah, it was like <coughs> faked his name, maybe yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, it, but I love because when they get up there, when it gets to discovery, and they find how you find how dismantled. Sorry, that's kind of spoilers for two thousand one. Um, but right. like he, when he puts it back together, he does so so slowly. He makes sure he like repairs everything, and he had this like wonderful moment with him and how, where it's right. just like he he recognizes and sees this AI. As, as another a, intelligent yes, entity does and he respects it he knows it has emotion and like you know he created it but it's really a nice moment between him and howard is and then it's just like you know he's like i love this thing i created it and then later on you get a little bit more tension where you like you know you have Hal again being at the the the, the epitome of being chaos yeah you know where everybody's like worried how's how gonna respond to this and you have bob balaban interacting with it and I love the outcome of that. I do love the outcome of that. That was, uh, I will say there is a redemption of Hal in this movie, hardcore. And I really do appreciate that because in the, I mean, he, while he is on the, the evolutionary track to maybe become a technological, uh, mass produced <clears throat> society kind of thing. Yeah. But at this at this point in time, he is still a tool at a certain level. Yeah. He is programmed by somebody else. Yeah. And I, I do, I really do appreciate that answer. Yeah, for I do too. I thought it was really nice because, again, I see Hal as a villain in the first one. Right. And kind of not like an intentional villain. He's just, a, he's just a villain for, yeah. you know, not for villain's sake, but just because that's, what, like that's where he was. The intelligence was bad. Yeah, that's what it seemed like yeah. in, in the first movie. So exactly. I'm, I'm glad that that got cleared up. And I, I love, yeah, I love a redemption arc, and I really enjoy Hal's. So that was another thing I loved about this movie. The thing I hated 
was the answer of the monoliths. Yeah. Because I don't, like, I, I fully believe that they're like an alien, you know, I, I again, like an alien trying to guide us to a proper evolution. Right. And there is some of that in this. Because they are an alien race or species mm. or whatever you want to call them. There's a shit ton of them. They basically right. are a black hole is what they end up becoming when they're all together. <laughs> There's that yeah, where they that, suck it was up really interesting. Um, or Jupiter. They, even. they you know, one. it's Jupiter. Like yeah, they, they are they erupting turn. from yeah. Jupiter. And this really is a spoiler. But it I, really, I, is I really want to talk about it. Should yeah. we put up a spoiler wall? Because it is the end of the movie. Or at least just tell people to, yeah, we'll, we'll put up a spoiler wall. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Hello, I don't got much time. Head to an hour five and you'll be just fine. So we're behind the wall now. Brick, brick, brick. And it's been a while since we did this. I know, right? Um, so anyhow, at the end of the movie, the monoliths or whatever creatures are behind it turn Jupiter into a small star. Yeah. And its own sun. <laughs> its own sun. Uh, so that the li- life on europa the small bit of life that was there starts flourishing into a more in star trek they'd say m-class planet (laughs) (laughs) you fucking nerd i love it (laughs) and they also broadcast this yes they broadcast this message to the solar system all these worlds are yours except europa attempt no landing there use them together use them in peace yeah this message stops the war between uh russia and and the states i think it's supposed to be the states i think they say that uh and because they're like holy shit we're 100 percent not alone yeah uh but to me it was so hopeful because they're 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 like okay you guys did your success you're successful yeah. as a, a race of of space faring creatures we're gonna start again here yeah these are gonna be basically your little cousins you guys can do what the rest of the rocks what you right. want the only yeah. thing that makes it seem not hopeful to me is the attempt no landing there it's yes. basically saying hey you guys can conquer whatever it's the fuck warning. you want stay the fuck away from europa <laughs> yes it is a warning because they know their children they know we're conquerors but also i feel like it's coming from while they know us they're nothing like us yeah they don't they maybe they don't understand how we might take this but they need to be direct and what yeah. they want so while it, is, it does come out as a warning as ominous it's just saying let them develop how they're going to develop right and they have but a they it's have a basically there to saying watch over them too yes that's true but it's basically saying do with them as we've done with you yeah leave them be let them join later yeah i i, I like that thought on it too like it, it is nice i don't know i just it, it just seems weird i don't know i don't like the monoliths being like a big like alien race i like it just being like you know the big massive one outside jupiter and then the tiny ones that we see on earth and like 
it, when you see that scene of them becoming a black hole and consuming <laughs> it is super, a little it's goofy. pretty goofy it's, it's just a bunch goofy. of like squares just like floating around <laughs> i'm just like what is this what is happening there's so many of them and that's the only yeah. thing is like the, the only thing i really just didn't like was just like was those the monoliths like the whole answer for the monoliths and like i don't know it it, it felt kind of underwhelming that they're just like there, there was no purpose to them to humans anymore mm. Because okay. in this movie, it's just like, all right, we're done with you. We got our own planet now. That was right. the build up. That's what we were doing all along. Was we were getting you guys out here. I don't know why we were getting the, the people out to discovery. Why it shot the radio signal or anything. I don't. It just for whatever reason, it was like we're gonna make a planet. We want you to know about it. Right. And like, maybe, but maybe they also before they started there, they wanted to make their presence known mm-hmm. more. Yeah to uh and their power yeah that was the other thing yeah. that's why it doesn't feel very hopeful to me is because it, it, it drew us as witnesses there to be right. like witness us but it says stay the fuck but away. the last part is so if we cut out the part that says attempt no landing there right uh then it seems hopeful or, or even if you just take out all about the stuff about europa out of it it's all these were rules are yours Use them together, use them in peace. Yeah, it's, I like that. It is a pr- it's a pretty um, generous message. Yeah. It's like, hey, it, they they might whatever this these entities are, they don't require the same kind of yeah. nutrient sustenance and what not have you that we do yeah they can live right next to the sun <laughs> yeah so they, like they're not using this a space. Baby sun. We can use it. Leave Europa to do the same. Yeah. To use their space. Yeah. But I mean, also though, if you if you view it from a, it's a threatening point of point of view. Use them together. Use them in peace. Could kind of sound like a threat. Also, where it's just like use them together. Use them in peace. Or else. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of feel that you way. You just saw that we can get rid of a planet and make a sun. <laughs> Earth might make a mighty fine sun. <laughs> okay, but... All right, but science-wise, it, it was a ball of gas. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> as far as we know. We, yeah. We're pretty certain. <clears throat> so, end of end of the episode, I decided. Yeah. We're done yeah, with the wall. Anyways. You're right. Yeah, I, closing on 2010, I think it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the crap out of it. I didn't think I was going to right? because I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, but I really do enjoy it. I don't like the answers. I'm not going to con- consider it as a canonical sequel. I, I think as it's agree yeah, with that. As its own thing, I love it. Yeah. And as its own thing following 2001, I still love it. But as a sequel, I'm just like, no. You know, you are you are yeah. somebody else's interpretation of the movie that I love. Right. And I still, it doesn't harm that movie at all because I enjoy this guy's answers. Peter Hyam, great job. But, like, especially doing all the fuck that you did because you did everything except for editing. <laughs> Somebody else did that. But, like, it's 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 good. It is a really good movie. Um, I give it three and a half stars. Nice. Yeah. It's a pretty damn good yeah. rating. I'm I'm gonna give it another face and a half. I really enjoyed watching it. My wife really enjoyed watching it. She's of the same opinion of me. If 2001 didn't exist and this is what we had, it's a damn good movie. Yeah. Go go watch the movie. If you if you like 2001 and you've been hesitant on 2010, 
just try to put it as a different thing. I yeah, think yeah, that's for real. much a better way to approach it. Yeah. Anyways. Especially if you haven't like seen 2001 in a while, just watch right. 2010 then. Right. Come at it with a completely different, you know, un, untainted perspective. Yes. You know. I like that. Yeah. But in regards to a sequel smash, you know, I feel like we talk about what sequel smash means all the time. Was it better? Was it needed? Right. That kind of stuff. It wasn't needed at all. No. It wasn't better at all, in no. my opinion. I can agree. It wasn't better. But as a sequel goes, like as we're as I t- talked about earlier, it could ruin, you know, the viewing pleasure of the original. And this one just doesn't. This no. one is just totally its own thing. Yeah. That I really am happy I found out about. Yeah, and I would definitely watch it again, yeah. especially the spacewalk part. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, that was such a good. Scene. I mean, even just as a like a YouTube clip, I feel like I would watch that again yeah. because it's just it's really well done and like it it tries to do the slow pace of the original because like that's another thing I like about the original is it moves so slowly, but I don't give a damn because yeah. I'm immersed in the experience super so fucking immersed. well. Super immersed. I feel like it's a little bit easier for some audience members to get immersed into a movie like 2010 mm. though rather than 2000 yeah it is very much more straightforward it has yes. has silly little narrative moments between uh, where roy scheider is like writing yeah. in his diary yeah that's oh, right no, he's, he's writing logs he's writing to his wife t- at times too right where, uh, that's right and he even writes to talison jaffe or Chris oh yeah Hart. that's right yeah yeah and those are silly because it's just like exposition like this is what's going on with you know the russians and the americans are finding a home but I'm just a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how one of the conversations goes. Oh my gosh, it's a little silly. But but that is that is the episode, I believe. Yes, I definitely think so. check out both of these movies. But 2001 wasn't going to be beat, at least not my opinion. <clears throat> I it it's a little bit closer for me, I think. Mm-hmm. But it it can't be the art that is involved in 2001 beautiful Uh, there's just so much for the audience to interpret and i think that kind of a movie has a lot of merit not to say that 2010 has less merit right uh and it's i think a little bit easier to get into so it was hard for me but i'm giving it to 2001 end of the episode and i will say that uh if i ever get the home theater that i dream of yeah 2001 will be the first movie I play with all with the surround sound yep. and everything. It'll be so lovely. And then the lighthouse, like right after that. Nice. Because, like, both of those are just beautifully made. Like, I love cinema films. Like, yes, you, know, you can tell the people who made it was just like, I want to make something beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Let's make it beautiful. <laughs> and if Fight Club comes along, it's like, I yeah. want to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your third movie. No, I wouldn't. I, I do love Fight Club, but that wouldn't be my third one. I don't know what the third one would be. All right. That's the show. I've been I've been the green traveler from Gorsh, I think. And I think I have been the faceless Leon. Let's see about it next week. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. Are you a fan of the show? Feel free to contact us at greenandfacelessfans at gmail.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe, or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.